This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Ariane on from Good Time, and we'll be talking about our topic today is the state of hiring, which I'm sure everyone would like to know where we are. And I can't wait to kind of get Ariane's take on what she thinks where we are and what's what are some of the things that are happening to us in hiring. So, uh, Arjun, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and Good Time? Yeah, definitely. I'm Irian Moon, one of the co-founders and CEO of Good Time. Um, Good Time is what we call candidate relationship intelligence. Nowadays, the job market uh, after COVID has become insanely competitive. And we've seen uh, a, a few really important macro trends as well as micro trends after speaking with a lot of VPs of talent, talent leaders. And we realized that the most important thing when it comes to hiring nowadays is to really uh, shorten and make shorten the time to hire and make your hiring process extremely efficient. And at the same time, actually forge really strong relationships with your candidates. And I would love to kind of share more about why those things are really important. Um, and good time hire is what uh, it's all about shortening time to hire and also bringing amazing candidate relationship. Um, and that's the value that we deliver to our amazing customers. Thank you for having me, William. Oh, 100%. So let's deal with the, the efficiency first. I got some, someone called it speed. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how, how do you see that reflected in, in the market today? Like, is it response times? Is it, is it you know, setting up meetings? Like, what, is, what does speed look like for the candidate? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, before even before COVID, it was definitely candidate candidates market, where candidates had a lot more bargaining power. Nowadays, even more so. Um, from our data, we actually found out that candidates usually uh, have about four offers on the table by the time they're done with their job search, and their job search ends within about three weeks or less than three weeks. It used to be months, now less than three weeks. So that speed is extremely important. The reason why is if you cannot keep up with that kind of pace, then you actually don't even have a chance to put your offer on the table by the time the candidate is ready to make on, uh, a decision on the, on the offer that they want to take. Um, and that's why speed is extremely important. And I think that is really reflected in the survey that we've done with about 600 or so of talent leaders recently. Um, uh, making their hiring process efficient and shorten time to hire is one of the most important things that they said they're working on this year. What were, what were, or what are, as it were, that's past tense, what are some of the roadblocks to making that going as fast as the candidate wants to go? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things is, I don't know if you remember before COVID, the interview process used to involve so many people. 
20, mm. 30 different people. The last interview, I don't know if you remember, it's definitely remnant of the past, but you, uh, the in interview, the, the candidate would come in for the final interview and meet with like 15 people. Um, and that would take up the entire day. Um, now the trend that we are actually seeing is the interview process itself is actually getting becoming more simple. So instead of 20 people meeting the candidate, they can make an offer by you know, having five to six interviewers meeting with candidates. I think the process itself getting, is getting more simpler. And also another uh, big uh, roadblock when it comes to making the hiring, hiring process more streamlined is the number of interviewers. If you don't have enough trained interviewers that are that have you know enough of schedules open for them to interview these candidates, easily the interview process can be prolonged. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of our customers really focusing on interviewer training, really widening the interviewer pool also. So uh, with interview with interview training, some of most of those are hiring managers. Um, are are you taking <clears throat> the training that they're that they're going through? Is it basically it's standardized uh, questions? Is it what is it what is it what are they being trained on in terms of? I mean, yeah. I know it's not their full time job, so there's that. Right. But what are they being uh, essentially trained on? Yeah, definitely. So obviously, those and don't have interviews. Those usually they go through some kind of classes and so on. But then specific interviews that they must actually vet candidates on particular skill sets and so on. Um, they we see our customers actually putting new interviewers through the interviewer training process where they're actually shadowing really good interviewers, learning from them, and then also have them reverse shadow you. So that you can actually be vetted as really good interviewers or uh, you know qualified interviewers. So really, those being able to have competent uh, some skill sets in terms of being able to interview um, candidates and vet those candidates on those skill sets is the second step. And then the third step that we've seen is really the best way for candidates to learn about what it's like to work at your organization is through the mouth of your interviewers. If they actually hear directly from interviewers on the employer's stance on DEIB, work-life flexibility, culture, mission and values, and so on, it's a lot more powerful than getting like a one-pager from your recruiting team or seeing it on your website uh, it's all, it's beyond just lip service if you directly hear from your interviewers. So really training your interviewers on those kind of like, almost like an elevator pitch, how to pitch the company, how to pitch company's value and missions, uh, company's stance on different aspects. So that's kind of a third step, but extremely important when it comes to interviewer training. Yeah, it's, it's nice because it's, uh, it's selling the job. It's, it's, uh, yeah. I think we've, we've grown up in a, in an era where we've been candidate rich. So we didn't have right. to, we, maybe we didn't feel like we had to sell the job or sell the company as much. And, right. uh, and obviously, uh, that's changed. You, you mentioned a couple of topics that candidates are really interested in, but let's go back through those and make sure we unpack that. What are the questions, uh, and what are the topics that candidates are really care about these days? Definitely. Um, Things like, you know, like DEIB obviously is top of mind for a lot of talent leaders and candidates really care about them also. Uh, what candidates now care more about is, is it, you know, just a lip service or 
is the company actually uh, committing to some kind of number? Can they openly share um, you know, where they stand now and where they want to be and so on? I think candidates care a lot about kind of, you know, diversity, inclusion, belonging, and so on. Um, another thing is kind of an obvious one about work-life flexibility. I don't call it work-life balance. I call it work-life flexibility. It's, it's not that, uh, you know, candidates are looking for a cushy job. They're actually looking for a place where they can really expand their skill sets, do their best work, but in their own time, not from, you know, eight to five. Um, or in a, you know, a, within a specific time range. Because nowadays, you know, if you're working hybrid or remotely, you're taking care of your kids in the morning and then going back to work and then, you know, make some lunch for your kids and then you're back to work. And then at late, at late at night, you're, you know, uh, working on some projects for, for work and so on. So that work-life integration has become so important to people. So that flexibility that companies are willing to uh, provide to the employees, they really want to know where the company stands on that. So I was going to ask you about remote. Are you getting more questions now about, uh, or, or people that just don't, don't want to go to a kind of a return to office, that they want that flexibility? like. Because I've heard kind of both sides really <laughs> polarity of that you hear in America, right? So I've heard yeah. people that's like everyone's going to go back to the office, and I've had friends really argue this case. Like all the tech companies are just going to they're going to force everybody to go back to the office. I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. And you're the opposite. <laughs> it's going to be remote forever. Okay, well, all right. So what's what are you hearing, and what's the data telling you in terms of, as it relates to remote? I have to say it's really interesting what's happening. Definitely there are, um, you know, companies can want different things, obviously. Some companies have really figured out remote and hybrid working environment. Some companies really want their employees to come back to the office full time and so on. But even from people perspective, it's really kind of split between people who actually want the flexibility of working from home you know, people who actually want to have some options of going back to work, going back to the office. Because uh, you, you're kind of missing that face-to-face -face time, that camaraderie, that it's easier to build if you're, you know, rubbing shoulder to shoulder with your employee, with your core cards and so on. So it's definitely a split. Uh, um, so I don't know if there's uh, a clear future where everyone is going remote or everyone is going back to the office. However, one really interesting data point that I want to point out from the survey that we've done is that actually retaining top talent is less of a concern for companies that are more of an in-office working structure than companies that are more remote which is very, very interesting to me because I thought it would be the opposite where remote companies would have easier time retaining people, but it's actually the opposite. Um, actually, I wanted to, uh, and it kind of boggled my mind in terms of where, where that's coming from. My hypothesis is that remote companies have, you know, employees that are working remote and they probably have a lot more job options. Um, there are a lot more, remote companies out there and also which means you can actually apply for any company anywhere in the world and therefore retaining top talent is probably harder um, but actually I want to pick your brain you've seen 
uh, you've seen the entire recruiting trend over the next over the last few decades. And have you, um, in terms of that data point on uh, remote companies having harder time retaining employees, have, what do you think is coming? What do you, where do you think that's coming from? Well, I think I think I think the folks that, that want to work remote have a lot of options. So I don't think it's uh, the remote as a function is is what's in the way of retention. I think I think it's just uh, <clears throat> let's say you're a Java developer and you want to work remote. Um, you've got a lot of opportunities, and you're going to have a lot of opportunities to in front of you that are going to mm-hmm. be remote based. So it isn't the it's what I've seen at least. It isn't that it's remote that's that we're having a hard time keeping people that are remote. I think the people that are remote know that they can do the job from anywhere and now have and they've now kind of unlocked More options. Yeah, they've unlocked this kind of I can I can work from anywhere, which means uh, you know I'll I'll move to Bali and 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 live there and and I can have whatever job I can have, I'll I'll work there. So I think it's the retention isn't related to remote as much as it is the amount of opportunities that person has. I mean, as you, as you said, well, you know, within three weeks, four offers, that's, that's just crazy to me, which is great. Yeah. Uh, it gets us back to, you know, why people need to be efficient and speed up this process. And I've heard something similar with, with, uh, with software engineers that if, if they ask, you know, basically they ask what's your hiring process like, and if you get past a fourth interview, they're they're like yeah we're we're done yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. cool i mean you know i'm sure it's cool but obviously you're not built you're not built for speed uh to right. kind of a, there's a judgment uh, a judgment being made and in, in a way that's that's that i find to find really fascinating that if you're not built for speed then why would i want to join this slow team mm, which true. is really really interesting uh to me at least you know, you mentioned Elton, we, we focus a lot on on speed and uh, and efficiency, but you had mentioned mm-hmm. something just as important, which was quality relationships. Right. How do how do the hiring managers and interviewers and recruiters how do they how what what do they do to foster those quality relationships? Yeah, definitely. So how we approach it is that first of all, you want to have the right interviewers in every single interview uh, that are competent to ask the right questions. They know how to have intelligent conversations with candidates and candidates. Oftentimes, actually, we do a lot of candidate interviews. And oftentimes what I hear is, if I feel like I cannot learn from this interviewer, if I feel like I'm smarter than this interviewer, then I feel like I'm going to work in a team where I will not be able to learn from anyone. So it's really fascinating that interviewers are the face of the company. They represent uh, what the working environment will be like, what the team camaraderie will be like, what the kind of overall uh, competency of the team will be like. Uh, that and candidates are really betting employers on uh, a lot of different aspects, including what it's like to be working with this team when they join. So really having that right in right interviewers that are. Um, really able to and well equipped to have that intelligent conversations with candidates is really important. Um, and also another thing is, even though you may have the skill sets to interview, you may not know how to conduct the interviews the right way. Just because you are an amazing senior engineer doesn't mean you can actually interview 
correctly. So interviewer training is really important. So that trained interviewers and number of trained interviewers is gonna be one of the key aspects that will unblock slow hiring process and really speed up and boost the, the efficiency of hiring. Um, and another thing is also interviewer training just on the skill sets. Uh, it's really important, but really kind of taking a step beyond that and training interviewers on how to pitch the company the right way. Um, and the candidates actually getting consistent messaging from multiple interviewers is extremely powerful. It builds better relationships with candidates. So things that candidates care about, like topics that they care about, like diversity, inclusion, transparency, company stance on some social good, political matters, and so on. Not only do we want to put that in writing and put it on the website somewhere, but if you can, if we can actually train our interviewers to pitch that and have and you know create consistent messaging. Uh, within each interview, I think that would be extremely powerful. Um, and obviously, you know, other things like, um, you know, being able to get back to the candidates fast so that candidates actually feel like they're a VIP, company cares about them, therefore they're moving fast on them and so on. That really builds stronger relationships also. Um, and, and lastly, uh, getting candidates feedback. So really understanding candidates' emotion and uh, their pulse and can their feedback throughout the entire interview process. And as much as possible, personalize the interview process for them, also build really strong relationships with them. You know, I, I've thought this thought, but it, I think this is the first time someone's expressed it in, in, uh, so eloquently. I think, I think you're right. I think the, the judgment that's being made about the interviewer is is something that's always been there we just totally. we just never have really kind of talked about it but it's always been there and now it's they're they're judging quietly they're judging the mm -hmm. you know if you have a junior person uh interviewing a senior person you know that, right. it is it isn't quite a waste of their time of course they can still kind of you know get some of the answers out of you and etc but um i could see that almost if 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 uh if i were a senior talent I could see almost almost like being out of front, you know, like you know, you're wasting yeah. my time. Uh, you're not. You know, <laughs> I'm not learning anything from you. You're 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 just learning something from me, which is not a two way street. Right. Oh yeah, exactly. I've even heard one of the candidates that applied for one of the the you know the best employer brands out there. She said, "I interviewed. I'm a senior senior engineer, and I was really disappointed in the quality of interview art." She dropped out. Uh, so oh, wow. it's, a, it's a, such a real thing. That's interesting. So out of the three weeks and four offers, how, who's winning? Uh, and <clears throat> not necessarily the brands and stuff like that, but like the people uh, tactically uh, that are yeah. making the right moves. Who's winning the, out of those, uh, those people that put the four offers together? Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, first of all, you should be one of those four offers. So mm -hmm. if you are not fast enough to put your offer on the table, um, then you're definitely then not winning. <laughs> you're definitely not winning. Yeah. And then out of the offers, obviously there are things that candidates definitely care about, like compensation, benefits, and so on. But beyond that, if you can compete on that and you're you can, you know, you have competitive uh, 
you know, benefits and uh, and compensation perks and so on. Then beyond that, really the employers that have forged really strong relationships with candidates. Um, and actually not to brag about the time, to be honest, but actually a lot of our new hires tell us that, hey, I had like three or four offers on the table. I picked good time because you guys moved the fastest. I felt like I was the VIP. You guys cared so much about me to where you wanted to move so fast. So really that efficient hiring process, um, it, it's really fascinating because actually I thought if you make your time to hire so short to where you're moving candidates through the hiring process too quickly, I felt like that would be, that would feel transactional to candidates. It was really eye-opening for me. The candidates felt the opposite. They thought hiring uh, the employers that are moving me through the hiring process so quickly, it's because they care about me. They care about my time. They see me as the most important candidate. Therefore, they're moving me through the process so quickly. It was really eye-opening, but that speed mattered so much. Um, and usually those companies win the candidates. It's funny because I was going to ask you that. Can you move too quickly? And, uh, <laughs> you know, because I know people who are listening to this would ask, well, if you move too quickly, are they, are they offended if you're trying to move them through the process too quickly? But I think you can pace yourself with the candidate. And, and I think that's probably part of the issue is that we're being outpaced by candidates. And if we pace ourselves with the candidates, like, hey, we want to move as fast as you want to move. Exactly. I mean, so we actually did a video interview with this, uh, with the partner director that was recently hired at Databricks, which is one of our customers. His name is Seth Waterman. He mentioned that he had three or four offers also, and he's an executive. Um, and Databricks moved the fastest for him. And he felt like a VIP. And therefore he picked Databricks offer versus others. I don't know if, I, I, I do think that there is some balance to how fast you wanna move. Like you don't right. want a senior engineer or an executive coming in meeting one person and then the same day you get an offer. That doesn't seem genuine. You, right. you do need to balance it out, but that speed really matters a lot to candidates nowadays. So if you could give people uh, advice on the training of their interviewers, what would, what's, the, what's the one thing that you would tell them to do? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, yeah, definitely two things. One is making sure that your interviewers have a really well-crafted set of interview questions that are not repeated from the last interviews that the candidate mm. has gone through. Because um, candidates quickly notice if the interviewers are asking the same question over and over. Um, yeah, so really well-crafted, uh, intelligent interview questions that are not repeated. And they're really training interviewers on how to ask those interviews. And you, really that uh, shadow and reverse shadow sessions are really, uh, really, really impactful. And also, I think something that I think a lot of companies kind of overlook is asking questions is one thing, making a higher or not higher decision off of the answers is another training, which is probably as important or even more important. So how do we evaluate the answers that the candidate gives you? There's, there has to be training there because otherwise everyone will ask the same questions and then 
come to completely different conclusions if you don't get trained on that. And then the, 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 the second thing that I wanted to mention is really how to pitch your company. How do, how do you pitch your company? Do you know where the company stands on the mission, values, transparency, work-life flexibility? Do you know the company's policy? Can you confidently pitch that? Uh, with a lot of excitement to the candidates because the candidates will feed off of the interview words excitement. Um, I, I would say those two are uh, the, my, my two cents. I love that. And the pitch, what I love about that is, is uh, everyone's pitching from the same playbook. So oh, totally. they're getting kind of a consistent, uh, authentic pitch across the board, whomever they talk to, if it's sourcer, recruiter, hiring manager, uh, team, et cetera, wherever they're in the process, they're getting the same pitch or uh, similar, if not the same, so that, you know, they feel like, okay, this is actually the company I'm joining. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for carving out time for us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruiting.